Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Acts 10, 1-16. Folk, just by virtue of this passage, just as you read it, you might have read it before, it's pretty offensive. Pretty offensive. Let's read it, uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 1-16. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send me to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Peter's vision, sorry, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being set or being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Folk, it seems to be a story that has mystical elements to it, but a very powerful and clear message. Here is Cornelius, he's praying. While praying, God gives him a message. Cornelius, there is a man named Peter. I want you to go and call for him because he has received a vision for you. You kind of go, Lord, you've just sent the angel to tell me this. Why don't you just tell me what you want to say? And it's quite interesting because nothing happens by mistake in the word of God. And So as God tells Cornelius this, he also has a message for Peter. So Peter, like me, cannot wait for the food to be prepared, he goes and God gives him a vision. And he falls into a trance, and God gives him this vision and says, I don't make junk. And because I don't make junk, I know what the Old Testament says. It's as if God is speaking to Peter. And so eat, kill, and eat. So what is he saying there in this whole process? Because there could be a message for you and for me. Here is this wealthy centurion, the Bible tells us, 
And here is a fisherman by the name of Peter, as you will see in the next slide. The centurion is pretty wealthy. One more, Tom. Uh, pretty wealthy guy. He's called a centurion. Uh, and that word that's used for centurion there uh, is ekaton darchis, ekaton 100. Archis, he is in charge of 100 men. And so he's a centurion that's in charge of 100 soldiers. High-powered individual. Okay? Probably well-paid, church historians will tell us, because he had a powerful position. Here he comes. God, why don't you just tell me this message? But no, God has to send that message to Peter. And Peter must come and tell him that message. The Lord is giving this message directly to Cornelius, or could have, but instead goes and wants Peter to hear that passage first. Now we know Peter had been involved in great things from Acts chapter 2, where go out and, and silver and gold have I nothing. I don't even have a gold coin to give you, poor man, from Acts chapter 2, but I have what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It's interesting how God uses people. Just two chapters earlier, you would have heard uh, two weeks ago uh, about um, in Acts chapter 8 where God sends an angel to Philip. and says, go, there is a man uh, on the road. I want you to speak to him, that Ethiopian eunuch. God could have spoken directly to that eunuch, but he uses Men and women that are filled with the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to uh, give a message across. So, here we have uh, God choosing a man by the name of Peter to come and deliver a message to Cornelius. But Peter is touched himself. And I think... Because of the different standards and settings of these two different men, there is a great message that can easily be missed. One very wealthy, high-powered man, Cornelius, one simple fisherman, but God uses his people to accomplish his purposes. And I think many, many times when we stick to our own, we can lose heaps. We can lose heaps. So there's an important lesson to be learned here that not sharing leaves us missing out on a blessing or a teaching because that person is not like me. That person is not like me. And as we stick to ourselves, we begin to miss out so much of what God is saying to us. These people are not like us, and so we don't mess around with them. You see, there is this great challenge to Peter's worldview. Folk, when we come to faith in Christ, there are major challenges when we, when we come to Christianity because it's no longer what we understand to be truth from our own culture and our own background, but it is now the plumb line or the standard that God sets in his word. So here is Peter who knew the Old Testament Rules, regulations, what he was able to eat, what he wasn't able to eat, what was clean, what was unclean. Here he comes and God gives him a lesson. Kill and eat. He's 
worldview is challenged, majorly, majorly challenged. In fact, that world, the word worldview, it, it basically means our philosophy of life, how we see life through culture, through traditions, through how we grew up. We know that when we get married uh, and you do a premarital counseling course, you have to unlearn certain things and you have to relearn other things. It's no longer me, myself, and I. It's about the other person now. And so there is this shift. We call it a paradigm shift. It's a change of worldview. It's a change on how uh, we see life and the way we see the world and its people. I grew up in a Greek family, and so our grandmothers would tell us there are certain things you're allowed to do and certain things you're not allowed to do, certain ways you sit, certain ways you speak, certain traditions that you follow. And you begin to read the Word of God and you go, that is actually what the Bible is talking about. That is old wives' tales. You can't go and tell Nana that. No, 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 no. Tradition is important. And I agree with tradition. But the Word of God is way higher and more superior than tradition. So I need to put my culture and my tradition through the grid of the Bible, not the Bible through the grid of my culture. I know it's quite early in the morning. Let me explain that briefly. I need to put my culture through what the Bible says and see what comes out, not the Bible through my culture, because that makes my culture more superior. So I don't need to change too much apart from making sure that it's tainted and it's uh, saturated with the Word of God. I have a new worldview, and Peter was offended by that, you see. And, and we get offended by things. And God says to Peter uh, that in, in verse 11 through to 15, and the voice came to him again, second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. That word common there, Uh, Don't call it empty or or defiled or unclean or polluted. They say to me, thank you so much for that. What's the message? The message is quite clearly that God does not make junk, firstly. And there is to be no discrimination because we are all created in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God. Now that's important, you see. So... My worldview begins to change despite my culture, background, and tradition. Read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first four words, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. He created us all as human beings. And yes, we've got different characters and personalities, but in the beginning, God. So there is to be no discrimination. Here is a wonderful example if you look at the backgrounds of two of these two men. Cornelius, God is dealing with him. He's totally different. Ethnically, socioeconomically, academically different to Peter. But what does God do? He speaks to both of them. There's a message for both. Peter There is a vision for you to learn, but I want you to take that message in that vision to Cornelius. And so he uses people from every tribe, kindred, and nation. 
see, we need to uh, look beyond our race and our culture and our education level or even our socioeconomic level to all people being created in the image of God. We are all one family, if you like, under our Father God. And that is crucial. You walk into this church, we accept you, whether you're young, old, believer, non-believer, struggling, not struggling, alcoholic, drug addict, challenged in a certain area, God loves us all just as we are. But then, when we begin to share our lives, I think God loves us just as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay the way we are. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are, and he wants us to move beyond ourselves. Well, you say, well, you know what? What's wrong with keeping my own culture? Nothing wrong with keeping my own culture. Nothing wrong with that at all. But is my culture more important than the word of God? Is my culture more superior than the word of God? Does my culture exclude certain people from the things of God? Or does my culture incorporate them? See, God's grace is way bigger than my culture and my problem. So the way we view ourselves and the way we view others is important. Because if we're all created in the image of God, then there should be no discrimination. No discrimination. Now, friends, I know we live in a, in a broken world. I think the more you have, the more authority you have. Sometimes the bigger you are, the more power you might have. There is a lot of discrimination that takes place. We realize that we all are created in the image of God. And because of that, we need to make sure that we respect one another in that regard. So it begins. This is not offensive. I normally apologize before I offend. It starts off in the coffee area, in the tea area, in the biscuit area. The way we speak to each other. The way we mingle together. Now, folks, there's not been a problem. This passage came up a couple of months ago. I have to preach from it. So it's not a problem. I'm just saying we need to move beyond our little whatevers and get to know somebody else. Why? Because we will grow in the process. And it's okay. It's not scary for somebody else to get to know us either. They're longing to get to know us. and We are one big family in the kingdom of God. One of the beautiful passages to support the story here is Matthew chapter 25, Verses 31 to 46. Here there is a, a beautiful passage where they come and they, they ask Jesus, what is uh, the important thing to do? And Jesus tells them the story and, and we read about it in, in Matthew 25. And, and Jesus explains from verse 34 to 36 and also verse 40. He says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. Follow this thought through, please. 
I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then in verse 40, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, who are created in the image of God, other people who actually don't walk through these doors, or people who are having a cup of tea or coffee who we don't know, all are members of my family. You did it to me. Isn't that amazing? You did it to me. And that word, least, one of the least of these, elachistos, those who are small metaphorically, small in number if you like, small in dignity, ones who don't fit into my mold and my understanding of respect. You did it to one of these. You gave them a cup of something. You gave them something to eat. Do it as unto Jesus. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. See, we are, we're part of the kingdom of God and we are to reach out to those who are created in the image of God. Not those who are only like me, who have my tastes and habits, habits, who do what I like doing, who support my team. No, those who are on the other side are also created in the image of God. So as, as men and women of God, Celebrate the resurrection and the, the power of God of, from the resurrection and we're able to love one another. Love the way Jesus sums up the whole uh, New Testament Gospels in that next slide where it says, talks about the mind and the actions of Christ uh, summed up in these four Gospels, and he says in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, where it's a summary of where Jesus is questioned, which are the greatest commands? They're trying to catch him out, and he sums it up by saying, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the first four of the Ten Commandments, to love God with all your heart, that vertical sign of the, the cross, if you like, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, the other six of the Ten Commandments. That sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, the whole Old Testament is summed up in that passage there. Well, I didn't like it the way it said it in Matthew. Well, let's go to Mark. Exactly the same story. First and the second of all the commands. Repeat of that. Well, a lawyer comes to Jesus in Luke and actually says to Jesus, this, and they're trying to catch him out, and he explains to Jesus the important commands to love the Lord your God. That's the Ten Commandments. This lawyer would have known them. To love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says to him, well, you answered right. Now go and do it. 
You answered right. Now go and do it. Summing up the whole gospel in Luke. And then in John, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. New commandment. Not as in new because you're deleting the Old Testament. No. A fresh commandment. Kinos is that word there. A fresh, uh, a recent commandment. Let me, let me actually just put an exclamation mark what the Old Testament says. To sum it up, love the Lord your God and, this is, and love your neighbors yourself. That's what is crucial and important. So, folk, end off by just touching on a beautiful passage in Colossians chapter 3. This is important. And as men and women of God, there is this overarching theme of the life and ministry of Jesus that leads us toward a particular set of qualities on how to live our lives as men and women. So in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17, Paul tells the community that their lives, both individually and corporately and collectively, should be marked by compassion. Beautiful Greek word there, compassion, splachnon, which means you moved deep down even to the depths of your bowels, if you like, with compassion. You moved with pity for somebody. You moved deep down inside. In other words, it's hard for you to to take in a meal when you see another person in front of you that is unhappy and starving. You moved so much that you're not hungry anymore that makes sense. You move deep down with compassion. Talks about kindness, Christotis, this moral goodness, this moral excellence that, that longs to serve others. That word Christotis has got to do with, with the presence of Christ being like gold. And as you, as you feel toward this other person and you want to give them kindness, it's as if you want to deposit gold in their lives. To deposit some gold, something of value in their lives by kindness. Humility. The lowliness of mind and heart. That I don't think I'm better than anybody else. That I don't think that because I'm of this particular race or culture or creed or background that I'm better than anybody else. No, that word humility in the Greek means that I'm so low down on the ground, not as a, uh, somebody to trot over, but I'm so low down on the ground that only Jesus Christ in me sticks out. Isn't that beautiful? We can see that that's Christophides' character, and Jesus Christ sticks out in him. Let me rephrase. That's Jesus Christ with Christophides' character. Isn't that amazing? That we're so serving uh, or have a servant heart that, you know, it's, it's about humility. And that is so counter-cultural. No discrimination. Meekness, praotis, a gentleness and a mildness that doesn't respond with anger and rage, but it's, it's mild because Christ lives within. Now, we live in a day and age where meekness is weakness. Friends, that's not the biblical perspective. Christ is in it. Patience. Lord, give me patience and give it to me now, please. Macrosimia, long-suffering and endurance. 
with one another. That's a sign of God's grace and mercy. Then forgiveness, charizome, beautiful passage that talks about the love of God and his grace and his mercy. And uh, it's as if God has rescued us by forgiving us. That word, charizome, it's as if God has rescued us from a lost eternity by his grace and he has rescued us from that lost eternity and forgave us. Wow, we could do exactly the same to those we come into. Listen, God said to, to Peter through that vision, eat because God has made it. God has made it. So no discrimination, Peter. And because we're created in the image of God, we're to serve him. See, because we're created in the image of God, we are to reflect God. How do we do that? Well, we look at the life of Jesus. We look at the life of Jesus. The standard that he sets is the plumb line, is the standard that we are to follow. Christ did not create us in his image so he could drop us, set that standard for us to keep so we can mirror the image of God. End off by telling you a story. James Moore wrote During World War II, four young soldiers who had been on the front lines of battle for some time were sent back to a small French village for a little uh, respite. When they arrived in the village, they realized that it was Christmas Eve. They began to discuss how they would like to spend Christmas. One of the soldiers said, You know, as we were coming into the town earlier today, I noticed an orphanage on the outskirts of the village. Why don't we go there in the morning and take some Christmas joy to those children? The others liked the idea, and the more they talked about it, the more excited they became. So they went out and bought all kinds of toys and lollies and clothing and food and books and games. Early the next morning, they showed up at the front door of the orphanage with wonderful Christmas presents for all the children. The orphanage director was pleased, and all the children were delighted as they opened their gifts. All the children, that is, except for one little girl who stood quietly off to the side. She appeared to be five or six years old, and her face looked very sad. One of the soldiers noticed that she was not participating, so he asked the orphanage director about the little girl. Bless her heart, said the director. We've just got her in last week. Both of her parents were killed in a car crash. There was no one to take her in, so we brought her here with us. The soldier went over to the little girl and gently said to her, It's Christmas morning. We have wonderful Christmas presents here. Toys, clothes, lollies, food, books and puzzles. Which would you like? What do you want most for Christmas? The little girl said, want somebody to hold me. Want somebody to hold me. Friends, we are all in desperate need. 
We all, physically, mentally, spiritually, want somebody to hold us. May the church be the first place that that happens. I beg you that that happens in our church. Father, we know that richness comes not because of our bank balance, but because of those that stand behind us and beside us. Those who have walked the road with us and have lifted us up, Lord. We are rich because of them. Lord, we are richer because we belong to the kingdom of God. Lord, may that not allow us to discriminate, show partiality to those we don't know and are not part of our May we reach out. May we love just as you have commanded us. Love you with all our heart. Love our neighbor ourselves. Lord, we acknowledge that we cannot do it in our own strength. Are in desperate need of you. Help us to do this, Lord. Help us to do it well, we pray. Jesus' precious name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.